Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. In the episode of today, we continue our conversation with Bart Hendricks, Head of Global Treasury Operations at SIVA. This is the second part of the full episode we recorded with him. In the previous one, we talked about Bart, the company he works at, and the Treasury Department there. What a shared service center is, and what type of company use such structure. In the episode of today, expect to learn the technicalities of a shared service center, what exact treasury activities we can find is in an HSC, short version for shared service center, what is a payment factory, reconciliation at scale, accounting in a shared service center, what is the technology required behind an SSC, and much more. Like always, if you like our conversation with Bart, why not leave us a review? Reviews are one of the most important metrics for a podcast, as they allow it to be higher in the rankings and allowing people to discover it more and more. Also, if you haven't yet, go in the link and download our free Treasury 101 ebook. We gathered all our learnings from more than 80 episodes and wrote them down in an electronic written format. The best part, it is completely free. With all that being said, Please welcome Bart Hendricks. That's super clear. And we actually start to tackle the second aspect we wanted to discuss, the technicalities, which means what kind of task and treasury function you can find in a, in a shared service center. Yeah. So cash management, it's rather clear. Cash centralization, that's also something we already talked mm -hmm. about um, yeah. in the podcast. Let's maybe um, dive a little bit into payments processing. Yeah. And you, you mentioned payment factory, even though you don't like the term too much. Can you quickly describe what that is and what's the perk of it? Why would you want to centralize and have the payments executed from a shared service center? Yeah, I had the question, the same question for collections, but let's tackle it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So payments, it, it's a process which is most of the time done uh, locally, especially when you grow through acquisitions. You buy companies; they have their own accounting department with their own uh, accounts payable team active. Now, what we are doing within our organization within Siva, we are. Uh, centralizing our AP uh, in India. So we have an ERP system called, we are not working with SAP, but with JD Edwards, and uh, which is one of the leading ERP systems. So we, we try to have a global ERP system. We want to establish a linking pin between our global ERP system and the banks. In order to do so, we have implemented a treasury management system called Kariba. Mm. And we are using Kariba to uh, process our payments to the banks. Now, this, given the fact that we are glo globally rolling out our payment process module in Kariba, we can also centralize this because it's the same approach globally. So we have a global team uh, in India working also according to the time zones of our companies. So that mm -hmm. means we have people in India working in three shifts. And as, as a result, 
part of this work, this so the whole payment process is now centralized in India. The main perks are is that you have a centralized and uniform process. There are no exceptions there. And it's controllable. Controllable in a sense of authorizations, that you have the same authorization structure in place, which is from a control perspective extremely important. Next to that, you have visibility. You have visibility on your payables going out, Mm -hmm. which impact your cash again. And you can also have, and this is not something we're doing today, but could be that even from a central treasury perspective, you could have an impact on the release of the payments, which means you can really directly impact your cash flow in that sense. Okay. Uh, this is not something we're doing today, but it could be a, a solution in the future. So for us, uh, the reason why we are transferring payments is to have a centralized process, to have more control over uh, our payments and our security uh, on payments, and to have more visibility on that's super clear. And well, we like to be the um, devil's advocate a bit. So I'm, I will ask a last question on payments, but payments on behalf, if, is it something uh, you can quickly explain as well and that you can execute from a shared service center to your view or what's, what's your perspective? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is, this is something uh, we are not doing today within SIVA, given okay. the complexity of our organization and our global presence. Mm-hmm. But indeed, uh, um, if you, if you could do payments on behalf of, which actually means that you have a central entity mm-hmm. who is actually paying all the invoices for the whole organization, you could fully control uh, your cash uh, and you are also your payment cycle. Right. So uh, to give an example, uh, today, um, given the fact that all the payments are processed in our shared service center, but by different entities, we also have a different, as, as we call it, payment clock. That means some entities pay on a daily basis almost. Some have, have weekly payment runs. Now, if you have a, a structure where you have payments on behalf of, you only have one central entity, legal entity, who actually executes the payments. And you can fully control that. And, and also this payment clock, like I said, you could say, okay, let's pay only twice a week on Wednesdays and Fridays. The impact by paying only on Fridays on your working capital, for example, is huge. So no payments on behalf of is certainly something which is very interesting, not for every organization. Like I said, for our organization, it's it's more difficult, mm-hmm. given also the fact that we are, there are also legal restrictions uh, to have your payments uh, for your Brazilian entity executed by a Dutch entity operating from malaysia it's it's i don't want to start there so it can be very complex but given your structure and your global footprint payments on behalf of can be very interesting and and the pinnacle would be also to have collections on behalf of which means that you have one entity who is on your invoice one bank account and all the money is received on that bank account that means that you centralize cash uh, from from the source. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, but that 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 is it depends on Next on, on the, the industry where where you're in if it's possible. But it, to have a like they say payments on behalf of and collection on behalf, yeah, that would make life in treasury but also in accounting much easier. Hundred percent. Yes. 
but, but maybe not in legal. <laughs> yeah, but not in general. I think, I, I think especially uh, external legal advice. Uh, very, very happy with that. If we would of course. <laughs> but of all these uh, processes, treasury processes that you've described, I mean, if a company was to start to create this shared service center, which are like the easiest ones that they would typically start um, yeah. centralizing like this? From a treasury perspective, so le I, I let us out. Let aside accounting because there's a huge yeah. uh, benefit there as well. On, on, certainly on on uh, consolidation and then and, and reporting and these kind of things. But for treasury, I think uh, looking at cash management, it's the payment side. Uh, so payments is the first step I would uh, set uh, when you start implementing shared service centers. And which part of it specifically, like? Of all the things that we've talked, like, so I'm not trying to get to like, what's the easiest thing to get done first? Like, if, if you could explain the process. So, a company with legal entities across multiple regions with a shared service center in Malaysia, yeah, the first thing that they would typically centralize that drives the biggest efficiency, the low hanging fruit, as you would say, mm -hmm. what process exactly? Could you describe that? Like, the before and after? Yeah. So, so before uh, you would have a local process. In each of the entities where you get you receive the the, the invoice of your supplier, the invoice is uh, either scanned or keyed in in your uh, ERP system. Most of the times, it's just typed in, and then uh, once it's in your ERP system, you wait until maturity date of the invoice, so on the payment date, and then it's uh, put into a payment proposal or a payment batch. And then a person prepares this batch, it's signed, it's sent to a bank, and then in the banking system, it's approved by two authorizing signatories because you want to have some segregation of uh, and 2 ice principle, and then it's paid by the bank. So that's a typical payment process, very, very simplified. Now, if you would implement a shared service center, it means invoices will still be received locally, they will be scanned and and <clears throat> sent to a shared, the shared, your shared service center wherever that may be. It's collected there, so you have people doing this full time. So it's not a side job or one of the tasks you're doing. This is just a task, uh, a, a full time job. Um, they uh, key or scan this in the ERP system. They make sure that the payment batches are prepared on time. They make sure that the internal approvers are have approved it on time and they make sure it's sent to the banks and approved there as well by the authorized signatories. So the process is much more efficient. You centralize knowledge, but you also centralize tasks, which are, if you do it locally, it might be 15 or 20 minutes each day from your day job. Now it's centralized, so you free up the time locally. So these people can do more meaningful or strategic tasks, uh, which are more required locally. And it you, you can actually control the process on a global level, so there are no exceptions there. So for me, centralizing these kind of pay payments processes, it's, it's not just efficiency, but it's also making sure you have a global approach which uh, means you can also 
if there is a reason to uh, steer or to impact the process, you can do it from one source instead of trying to roll it out globally. Very clear. Okay, super interesting. So we've covered payments, like you said. We covered a couple other uh, aspects of treasury as well. I'm trying to go through a list of all the yeah. topics Guillaume and I have covered up until now in our in our corporate treasury 101 episodes. One that maybe sticks out that might be interesting for this was trade finance. I think it was one thing that we talked in the past. We did a big episode series on it. And so can you do that with a shared service center? So what does trade or supply chain finance, as it was also described back then, relate to this typically? And I think, I guess, I mean, being in logistics, which yep. parent companies more think, you guys must be experts on this. Yes, I know we are in logistics, but financial logistics is something else. But if I can give you two examples of what we are doing today, one of them is we have securitization program. We sell our part of our receivables to a special purpose vehicle, which is financed by a group of banks. So it's, it's selling of receivables like factoring. Okay. It entails, uh, in our case, a lot of reporting, both internally. So we sell the invoice. It needs to be cleared. It needs, but also we, once you sell the receivable, you, you, you get cash from your financing company, from the banks. So the, this whole reporting process around securitization, we outsource that to our shared service center on a daily basis. So as we have multiple entities in different jurisdictions across the world, they sell invoices and they receive cash the next day to say very, very broadly. It means there's a lot of reporting involved, a lot of communication, a lot of transfers involved as well from cash transfers. These are all prepared by our shared service center. So yes, given the fact that it's a global program, to have this centralized somewhere makes a lot of sense. In our case, we centralize this in our inbound shared service center in Malaysia. So they are supporting us there, especially on the reporting side and the preparation, the multiple transfers we have to do on a daily basis. So yes, that's outsourced. On the other hand, if you look at reverse factoring. Bart, could you, could you explain that a little bit more? I didn't quite understand what you meant by when you said you sell invoices Yes. Describe the process a little bit, yeah. Of course, of course. So the moment you conclude a deal, a sale, there's an inv- you prepare an invoice mm-hmm. and you send the invoice to your customer and the customer pays, say, after 30 days or 60 days. Yeah. That's the normal process. Now, if you have securitization or a factoring process in place, it means that you actually don't, you, you pre- still the, you have a contract with your customer, uh, you prepare your invoice, you send the invoice to your customer. Mm-hmm. Customer still has to pay after 30 days. However, you also sell the, this receivable, which is an asset which you have because it's, it's, uh, in the future you'll get cash for it. You sell that receivable to a bank and the bank will give you the money the next day if they accept the receivable. So that means instead of waiting for 30 days on your cash from your uh, customer, you might get it after five days. So for, from a cash perspective, that's great because you get your cash earlier and you can actually do something with the cash instead of waiting for it. So that sounds very much like factoring, but you highlighted yeah. securitization. Um, 
yeah, it's securitization is especially for larger companies yeah. where you have a, a much more complex structure in different jurisdictions. You don't stick with one bank because the volumes are very big. You make it a little bit more complex by setting up a special legal entity mm-hmm. called owned by you, but it's uh, which is funded by a group of banks often in a syndicate structure. So I don't want to go too much in details, yeah. but it's, uh, <laughs> so, so it's a, it, it is like selling your receive. It's still the same. You sell your receivables. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you don't sell it to a bank. You sell it to a special purpose vehicle, which is funded by a group of banks. So it's more complex, but the, the principle is the same. You sell receivables, you get your cash in earlier, and when the customer actually pays after 30 days, it's on uh, bank accounts, which are owned by this special purpose vehicle. So, and these bank accounts, and I'm not going to go into the legal complexities, but they are <laughs> pledged to the group of banks. So everything which is on the bank account is pledged. So okay. that, that in that sense, the banks uh, keep control, cash coming in, and it's like very short-term financing because it's over the tenor of uh, your payment. But for us, it's a, it's a very uh, it's it's one of the ways to control our cash flow coming in. Okay, so that's that's factoring, but maybe next level. And what I propose, Hussam, is that because it's fascinating, but we need to have a dedicated episode. Absolutely. Of well, uh, it, it's complicated, but it's it's well known. Well, it's it's uh, it's used by a lot of large companies. Yeah, um, and especially <clears throat> became very interesting also due to the COVID crisis, where the focus on cash really became the pinnacle of attention of much of senior management. Where's our cash? How can we get our cash in much quicker? Then factoring securitization became even more important. Super clear, perfect. And um, if I could summarize, just so in layman's turn, so my my understanding of it. So what you're saying is. When you make a sale to a customer, of course, there's some payment terms uh, applied to that. The invoice doesn't get paid the next day. There's usually like after 30 days or 60 days. Yeah. So what you do is you take that promise that the customer is going to, or that contract that the customer is yeah. going to pay you in 60 days and you sell that to a bank for cash today. I assume yeah. at a fee. There's a discount. So say yeah. you, the contract or the invoice is 100 euros, you get 95 euros. And part of this five euro is like an insurance that... <laughs> If the customer doesn't pay, then at least there is some cushion there. If the customer pays, you don't get the last five euros. Say you get four euros because the one euro is the fee, the factoring fee, the bank will ask for it. Okay. So you, and you, your company, Siva does that a lot. So all that paperwork, the reporting aspect of it, the issuing of all these contracts, the, the management of it all is done by a shared service center in Malaysia, for example. Right. Yes. So that's that's kind of why you do it because it's a lot of paperwork, it's a lot of grunt work, which might have been half, you know, maybe a couple hours of someone's stay Absolutely. in the Netherlands. Yeah. Get centralized to one or two or five resources in 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 a central location. Who's doing it globally? Yeah. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Okay. Um. But this is fascinating. Uh. But we still have the other aspect to cover, which is best in class treasury team. Maybe the quick question to wrap up the shared service center. Yeah. Um. How does this a treasury shared service center fit into a more global treasury team? And I think this question is even more relevant for you at the setup at SEBA 
given that you have regional treasurers and cash managers yeah. spread across the world. So it might not be that easy to manage a shopping center in India that is externalized, mm -hmm. one in Malaysia, plus those different reportees or people that's within your team you have throughout the world. So how does that uh, overall setup fits into a global treasury team? That is a good question. And looking at SIVA, mm -hmm. most of the time shared service centers have their own reporting structure, which we also have in India. So this, the shared service center we have there, especially focusing on accounting, accounts payable, AR, AP, as we, we call it, they have their own reporting lines. However, our inbound shared service center in Malaysia, the people who are working on the treasury tasks, so the next to the securitization we talked about, or the centralization of cash. We also look at cash flow forecasting where some of these people play a role. They actually report directly to Global Treasury. They are part of the Global Treasury team. So it's not that they are in some way or form less or are underskilled. No, absolutely not. They are really forming a part of our Treasury team. However, they are located in Malaysia and they have very specific jobs they work on. Now, how does a short service center impact your global treasury structure, your team structure, is, is, is a very relevant question. And especially in, in the changing environment which we are over the last five to 10 years, where technology play and data plays a much more important role, it's a cooperation, a real teamwork between the teams we have in Malaysia and our global head office team. What I mean with that is that we, in at global head office, we really need people who can use the data. The data which is being produced in Malaysia, they do the reporting, but we need the right skill sets centrally mm. to actually interpret the data we have, albeit on, on cash flow forecasting, can be on centralization, can be on different tasks. So. If we look at our teams and our team structure in Marseille, we have real experts on data collection, data interpretation and forecasting. We have uh, experts on treasury management systems and on technology. So if we look at our cash managers also regionally, they are not involved in uh, accounts payable, not at all. They are involved in uh, selecting the right business partners, so the right banks for our regions, the right liquidity structures. So it's they are much more strategically focused, much more project managers in implementations and migrations. Mm -hmm. And in Marseille, they're really the experts on, on data analysis, where you have in your shared service center, you have more the reporting and the data collection side. So we, we, we really try to set up our treasury teams in such a way that we make full use of the resources we have in the different setups.